Great stuff. So we're going to open the Word of God together and uh, we're just uh, a week or so into a new season where we're talking about uh, the disciple way, journeying with Jesus. And if you were with us last week, uh, we looked uh, of how uh, Jesus, in one of the early calls of the disciples, encouraged them to push out into deep water for this miraculous catch of fish. And we talked about, could 2024 be a year for us of pushing out into the deep? And then already Chris Evans kicked our service off by talking about those ordinary, unschooled people. And the phrase that resonated there was that they had been with Jesus. And my prayer every week is that when we go home from here, we won't just think we've been at New Life Church or we've heard a sermon or we've met our friends. We will recognize that we have been with Jesus. But just something a little bit lighthearted to start with about the, the unsuitability of those ordinary men that Jesus called. And so this is a memo. It's imaginary. It's made up. But listen to this. It's a memo to Jesus, the son of Joseph, in the woodcrafter's carpenter shop in Nazareth. And it's from Jordan Management Consultants. Dear sir, thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you have picked for managerial positions in your new organization. All of them have now taken our battery of tests, and we have not only run the results through our computer, but also arranged personal interviews for each of them with our psychologist and vocational aptitude consultant. The profiles of all the tests are included, and you will want to study each of them carefully. As part of our service, we make some general comments for your guidance much as an auditor would include general statements. This is given as a result of staff consultation and comes without any additional fee. It is, the, it is the staff opinion that most of your nominees are lacking in background, education, and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you are undertaking. They do not have the team concept, and we would recommend that you continue your search for persons of experience in managerial ability and proven capability outside of your current 12. Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given to fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. The two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, place personal interest above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would tend to undermine morale. We feel it is our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus definitely have radical leanings and both registered a high score on the manic depressive scale. One of the candidates, however, shows great potential. He is a man of ability and resourcefulness, meets people well, has a keen business mind, and has contacts in high places. He is highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. We, re we therefore recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and right-hand man. All of the other profiles are self-explanatory. We wish you every success in your new venture. Sincerely, Jordan Management Consultants. Just a little light-hearted reminder there that in worldly eyes, so often who God chooses don't seem to be the obvious, the apparent, even the suitable ones. 
and a reminder that if Jesus could change those choose those 12 and they could change the world, then there's hope that he might do something similar in Barry through you and through me. Do I get an amen for that? Amen. Okay. So this morning, we're talking about what it means when Jesus says to us that disciples should carry our cross. And we're in two different places in scripture that we're going to look at. I think the next slide, Richard, tells us the uh, title. Is that right? Here we go. So if you have a Bible, uh, then you might want to go to Luke's Gospel. Uh, we've got some Bibles by the door if, uh, if you need them. And I'm going to read that first passage here, Luke 9, 22 to 24. I'm actually going to read from the New Living Translation this week, which is why I've put it up on the screen there. Remember, this is a series where we're trying to focus as much as possible on the words of Jesus to the early disciples and those incidences early on in their life of following him when he called them and how they responded. And so Jesus speaks these words. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And so I want to talk a little bit this morning about what does it mean to be the people of the cross? What does it mean to be a person of the cross? Disciples, above all, are people of the cross. A few verses, a few chapters later in Luke, Jesus says this, If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And in 2024, what does it mean to be people who carry our cross? Well, I've got some suggestions for you this morning, but let's just leave it on that slide for a little bit. I wonder how you would define a successful life. Somebody once said that if if success was a place on the map, people would circle around it and often not even realize that it's there. How would you define your own life as being successful? And sometimes as Christians, we fall into the trap of defining a successful life in exactly the same way that everybody else around us defines that life. So we look at it perhaps as like a happy family, as a nice job, as a big house, as a nice car in the drive. It might be about the people we know, the reputation that we have, the health that we've got. But how do we live a life of real purpose and real success in God's eyes, not just in our own eyes? Albert Einstein said, try not to be a person of success, but instead be a person of value person of value and one way of looking at our life perhaps the only way of looking at our life 
is what Jesus says about success, about value, about purpose, about priority. And in every gospel, and on more than one occasion, he uses this phrase to carry our cross, to take up our cross. That we can't be a disciple. Remember last week we said a disciple was an apprentice, a follower of Jesus, somebody who who journeys with Jesus, who sits at his feet, who, who listens to him. An apprentice. And Jesus is saying we can't be that type of person without taking up our cross and carrying it. Well, I've got a few suggestions this morning as to what that might mean. And the first thing I think that might mean is that we need to be a person of distinctiveness. We need to be a person who is different. It would have been common at the time of Jesus to see people carrying a cross. If you saw somebody carrying a cross, you immediately knew what was going on. They stuck out like a sore thumb. You can't secretly carry a cross. Even when Jesus was carrying a cross on the way to to Golgotha, on the streets of Jerusalem, and you know the story, if if you do remember, they pulled Simon of Cyrene out of the crowd to carry Jesus' cross for him. But Jesus' face was so beaten and blooded and his clothes that were, were gone and he was just there in, in, in a loincloth that they would, have, they would have immediately known what was going on. If you carried a cross 2,000 years ago, there was only one place you were going to. You were going to your execution or you might be going to somebody else's execution. But you couldn't blend into the crowd carrying a cross. You might have seen people today whose Christian mission in life is literally to carry a cross. There have been many famous men and women who have decided that they will walk all over the world carrying a cross. Walk the length and breadth of Britain. And people look at them and are puzzled and surprised and they're mocked and they're laughed at. But you can't secretly carry a cross. Big eight foot wooden cross beam on your back. You stick out like a sore thumb. And so I think when Jesus is saying to the disciples, and remember, he's saying all this pre-crucifixion. So they know what the cross is is about, but they, they haven't yet seen him crucified. And he talks to them about his upcoming crucifixion, and they still don't quite get it. So perhaps Jesus is saying that to follow him, We're going to have to be different from the crowd. It's interesting, in the passage that we read, Jesus talks to the crowd about carrying the cross. But he says, you're going to need to do that if you want to be a disciple. In other words, he's he's saying, my disciples are going to stick out from the crowd. And sometimes, in the world that we live in, we we want to blend in so much that we forget about that Christ is calling us to be distinctive and to be different and carrying a cross you're carrying a cross you're already you've, you're already under condemnation you've already been found guilty you're heading in one in one direction Jesus talked about narrow gates and broad gates his way was the narrow one he talked about a camel going through the eye of a needle that many are called 
but few are chosen. Ben's going to touch on some of that stuff. Is it next week, I think? But when Jesus says, carry your cross, I think he's meaning, first of all, in this challenging life that I'm calling you, don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to stick out. Don't be afraid for the distinctive thing that people are seeing about you is the cross of Christ. So that's the first thing. And the second thing I think he's saying is is not just a person of distinctiveness, but a person of sacrifice. A person of sacrifice. The cross was often carried by rebel slaves. So when Jesus tells us to carry our cross, I think he's also saying, hey, these are the type of people. That's fine, don't worry. We never mind a little noise of a baby. That's a sign of life, isn't it? eh? Where was I? Jesus is telling us that the cross reminds us that we're people of sacrifice. These are the type of people that we should be identifying with the broken, the hurting, the marginalized, the oppressed, the poor, the weak, those who are fighting for their freedom. As Christians, we are called to make a difference in the world, to put others first, to willingly put ourselves second. Those words in John's Gospel of John the Baptist when he says, in the context of following Jesus, he says, I must decrease and he must increase. That's what we mean when we say that we're a people of sacrifice, a person of sacrifice. Carrying a cross daily means being reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Every day, God's mercies are new every day, reminding ourselves of the extravagant love that God has shown us through Jesus on the cross. And because Jesus has sacrificed us, we are willing to put our lives second as we sacrificially love others and point to Jesus. You might well have heard the phrase that people, when they talk about the kingdom of God or following Jesus, that it's the upside-down kingdom. That the world around us, everything is about self-improvement and getting up and reaching up and being better and better and better. And actually, the Christian living, the world of discipleship is exactly the opposite. That Jesus says, you want to gain your life? Well, well, lose it. You want to be first? Well, be last. And Jesus turns worldly values and worldly ambition upside down. I think we have a quote here for the message from the message translation. This is the message paraphrase. It's a modern paraphrase. It's not word for word translation, but it gives us the heart of what the gospel message says. And in a paraphrase of Matthew 26 says this, anyone who intends to come with me, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. 
Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. I'll let you into a little secret. Jill and I, some of you know this, we go ballroom and Latin dancing every week for an hour or so. And uh, Jill had been dancing for many years. When I was traveling in America for all those years ago, for about 15 years, Jill and her friend would go salsa dancing together. But Jill would dance, two ladies, Jill would dance the male part. And now, when she dances with me, guess what? She has to dance the female part. And so one of the little challenges we have each week is Jill has to let me lead. Actually, that's not just a challenge one hour a week. That's a challenge for whole life. But, but sometimes in our lives, we are used to being in the driving seat. We are used to leading our own dance. And when we follow Jesus, when we take up our cross, when we determine to be a disciple, we suddenly move across to the passenger seat of our own life. Because Jesus is driving. Jesus is at the wheel. We no longer dance to our own tune. We dance to his tune. We haven't got these verses on the screen, but let me read them to you. Matthew 10, anyone who doesn't take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me, says Jesus. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There are men and women across the world this week who will literally lose their lives for the sake of Christ. There will be men and women who will be killed this week because they are carrying their cross, because they are distinctive for Christ. And their lives will end because of it. But their lives in eternity will just begin. People of sacrifice. Next thing, and we touched on this last week, if we're carrying our cross, we are people on a journey. Chris reminded us right at the start, come follow me. People on a journey. Journey. I think we've got that on the, next, on the next slide. Here we go. Person on a journey. And it's a journey that goes against the flow. Somebody once said, any old dead fish can float downstream. But we're called to swim upstream, to go against the flow. So everything else around us might be going in one direction, but we're determined and brave enough to go in the opposite direction. And when people see somebody brave enough to go against the tide, sooner or later others start swimming that direction as well. And very soon the tide itself turns. Every day is an adventure. We're on a journey. And I like that idea of a journey because it's about moving it's about being mobile. We said last week that our prayer that was that in January 2025, we will look back and say as a church, we've moved further on our journey with Jesus during this year. That our individual prayer is that for each of us, wherever we started this year, we'll feel that we're deeper into the things of God 
in 12 months' time than we are right now. And last week we talked about that journey. Even the journeys out into the deep quite often start with small steps. And we shouldn't be ashamed of the small steps because small steps will help us get out into the deeper water. And so Christian life isn't just saying, right, I'll, I'll agree to this and this and this, and I'll park that until the end of my life. It's about saying that every day is a journey with Jesus. Every day is about sacrifice. Every day is about distinctiveness. Every day is about picking up our cross. When Jesus was walking with that cross, there was only one destiny for him, only one destination, an agonizing, horrific Sacrificial death on a cross. You probably know that even the Romans eventually gave up on crucifixion because they thought it was so horrendous and so horrific that they stopped, they stopped doing it. But that journey to the cross enabled our journey to start. Enables our journey not just to be 70, 80 or 90 years on this earth, but into eternity with the God who made us forever. But nevertheless, we can carry our cross daily, living each day as if it matters. Living each day as if we can make a difference for the Lord. Making every minute count. Often think, if God judged us, if God judged us on just one day, I wonder what his judgment would be. You're going to say, well, it depends which day. Absolutely. If Jesus was looking down at you or me this last week and picked a random day and looked at our lives, I wonder how he would evaluate it. Put it another way, you've probably heard this before. Somebody said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's a good one, isn't it? I can't claim that for myself. If you were arrested for being a Christian... We've got some law enforcement people in the house this morning, so we can perhaps have that discussion with them later. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Is your life, is my life distinctive enough? Is your life, is my life sacrificial enough? So where are we? We're a person of distinctiveness, a person of sacrifice. What was the next one we looked at? A person on a journey. Thank you, Richard. Just making sure you're still with us. <laughs> next one, a person with a message. A person with a message. We'll be looking later on in this series about how Jesus commissioned the disciples, how he commissions you and me, with this incredible privilege of being good news people in the world. But let's not forget that if we're carrying a cross, we're carrying the most important, crucial message that this world can ever hear. Much later in Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians, he says this, I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road to destruction. But we who are being saved recognize this message as the very power 
of God. And sometimes people will laugh at you because of your distinctiveness. Sometimes people will mock you because of your sacrifice. Sometimes people will hate you because of the message that you carry. But sooner or later, some people will recognize that in you lives the very power of God. I had a friend, she's now married with children, but at the time she was still at school, we're talking like 20 years ago. And she was at a school, not my, she was much younger than me, just let me say that. She's a friend of my wife and I. Some of you will know her, but I won't mention her name. In her A-level English class, everybody was given 10 minutes to stand up and speak about an aspect of their life. And she determined that in front of her peers, she was going to talk about Jesus and his love for her and her love for him. And unbeknownst to her, the person who was directly before her in the lesson that day was talking about how all religions were rubbish and how that nobody could really believe in, have any faith these days and gave a passionate and eloquent 10-minute blast at that. And then this girl, our friend, got up and had a decision to make. Was she going to share what she'd planned or was she going to bottle it and say something else? And she felt God with her, so she shared what she was going to say for the next 10 minutes. And she could see the faces around the room. Some people were intrigued. Some were astonished. Some were angry. Some were sniggering. And from that day onwards, her life in school was never the same. Quite often, people would nudge each other and go, oh, there's that Christian, and they'd make a laugh at her. But she found this. When girls were having mental health issues, when girls were having boy issues, when girls were ill, when girls were struggling with with their exams, it was her that they sought out in the secret to talk to, to be prayed for. On prom night, when a whole bunch of girls drank too much and what should have been a lovely night ended up with mess all over their clothes, it was her who took them into the to the bathroom and cleaned them up and put an arm around them and showed them that somebody there who cared. And we have the most important message that this world has ever seen. The Bible says that you and I are living letters, that you and I are fragrant aroma. wonder what's written on your life today. wonder how good my life smells today. I forgot to put any aftershave on this morning, so I'm probably not smelling as good as I could. But what's my spiritual aroma this morning? What am I giving off? The Bible says that disciples are people who can be salt and light into the community that we live in. The Bible says that people like you and me should always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have within us. Two things there. Have you got that hope in you? And when somebody spots it in you, how do you explain it? When was the last time you spoke to somebody about church who's not, who's not a believer? 
here's an even more important question. When's the last time you spoke about Jesus to somebody who's not following Jesus? We've got the most incredible privilege on this whole planet of knowing Jesus and being given opportunity to share his good news. I'm okay with those noises coming on. If you are, don't worry about, about trying to find it. We're going to be not just a person with a message. What's our message? Well, we're going to be a person of victory. A person of victory. We've talked a lot over the last few months about living a life of miracles, expecting the miraculous, seeing the miraculous, praying for the miraculous. But we've also been reminded that we will live a life trusting in Jesus even if we don't see that miracle. Why? Because the Bible tells us that we are people of victory. You see, because when we carry a cross, that cross isn't just a cross of shame, a cross of pain, a cross of death. More than that, it's a cross of resurrection. It's the cross of victory. It's the cross of that hope that we have within us. The Apostle Paul assures us that Christian living results in victory. 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, How we thank God who gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ our Lord on the cross. And in the book of James, you read these words, God blesses the people who patiently endure testing. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. See, the Bible talks much about at the end of victorious life for disciples, we arrive in heaven and we are given a crown to wear in glory. But the great writer Oswald Chambers said this, there are no crown wearers in heaven who haven't been cross carriers on earth. There are no crown wearers in heaven who haven't been cross carriers on earth. And for some of you, the cross you're carrying means that you're in pain. You're hurting. You feel a sense of loss. There is a physical difficulty to life. There is an emotional hardship to life. There is a real sacrifice in following Jesus. But never lose sight of the fact that your life on this planet will end in victory and you will be in heaven, in glory, with God who made you in the first place. And above all, carrying our cross means that journey that we go on ends in an eternal victory with a crown in heaven. You might never have won anything much in your life on earth. You might never have worn a hat, let alone a crown. 
But in heaven, there is a victorious crown awaiting for each of us that completes the race that God calls us to. So let's sum up where we've got to this morning. Ben, perhaps you'll come up and get ready for a final song. I want to say this morning, and you know this, that life as a Christian may be tough, may be hard. There will be tears. There will be challenges. There will be hurts. There'll be lots of happiness too. But if you remember that Jesus hanging helpless on a cross is God's rescue plan for you and for me, then you'll willingly take up your cross every day. When Jesus says to the disciples to take up their cross, I'm sure they don't completely understand what he's talking about. And that's the same for me and you today. We might not completely grasp all of this. But I want you to remind you that taking up your cross means being exceptional in the ordinary things of life. Being holy on the ordinary streets. Being extraordinary amongst ordinary people. Now listen, you can be a Christian and ignore the call to take up your cross. You can do that. You won't live a very fulfilled life. You might be much more successful in worldly terms. You might make much more money. You might have more spare time. You might be in charge of your own life more. But I wonder today, are you content to be that type of person? Or would you rather willingly follow the path of discipleship and take up your cross? Remember, when we carry our cross on earth, we earn the right to wear our crown in heaven. No cross, no crown. Simple as that. Let's stand together. Jesus, would you just minister to us in this moment right now? Would you give us a fresh perspective for each of us what it means to carry our cross? Would you help us to be those people of distinctiveness, those people of sacrifice, those people on a journey, those people with a message, those people who can trust that we have victory in your name? 